Uh. Mama. Mama. We made it. What it, what it, what it do da. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Get it. Welcome back. Welcome to the Mama We Made It podcast. Whew, you little rascals, you. We got another special guest. Another special guest, a fellow Trojan. A fellow Trojan. We got the three musketeers of Trojans. <laughs> oh, right we here. do. That's crazy. Is that Sir, a first? That is a first. It might be, yeah. Uh, making yeah. history. Yeah. No, that, that is a first. Making yeah. history is good. Making history. History has been made, folks. <laughs> I'm D'Artagnan. Are we recording, by the way? Twisted. I've heard... I've heard. Uh, yes, we're, we're we recording. Are. Oh, we're yeah. recording. We're recording. We're recording. Hey, no, look, you, you like that? Like the mole comes in, like does the research, <laughs> knows the Damn episodes to spot on about. Yeah, he knows. We he are knows. definitely recording. We have only misfired shots a few times, right. but shit, that's what makes it real, Sometimes baby. You, you got to do a run through. You got to do a run through. Well, we got we got my brother, Anusha's brother, from another. The world's brother. The world's brother. My man, Eli Hakchori, Mr. Retrospect himself. Good to what be it here. Do, what it do. Great to what be here. Give it do. up for <laughs> Round of applause of two. Just the echo makes it sound big. The echo makes it sound gorgeous. <laughs> what it do, baby. How's it going, guys? Good to be here. It's amazing to have you here. It's good to be here. Really, you guys are both uh, guys that I admire a lot. I'm really Love. happy to be doing this. Love. Likewise, bro. Likewise, it's been years since I've seen you, <laughs> but you haven't changed a damn bit. He still towers over me. You know what I'm saying? Dude, Eli is coming in at seven, eight, fellas. I swear. I'm getting taller and your energy is getting bigger. It's, That's what it, I feel. It, it's getting, it it's is. getting no, yeah, you, are, you are the same, but just you are, you are a bigger yeah, he, energy. I well, he, he was bigger, but about a month ago, he lost, <laughs> yeah, lost yeah. like 29 pounds. Your boy, your boy dropped like damn near 30 pounds in the last two months. <laughs> he, he dropped 30 pounds. You, so you would have seen me bigger. Man. That's Thank not you, easy. Appreciate That's huge. You, you would have seen me bigger personality and blimpy big too. But hey, <laughs> now, we, now we out here just gorgeously thugging real quick. <laughs> so how do you guys know each other? USC. USC. Mutual friends. Yeah. And then uh, we had our first business encounter together. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, bro. Right? Talk to me. Let me know. Sitting in business administration, if yeah. I'm not correct, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah? Yeah. And uh, how, did, how did it come up? How did it come up? I don't, see, I don't know what happened exactly, right? But I remember that I was working at AT&T at the time. Yes. It was singular at the time. It was AT&T. AT&T, AT AT yeah. Right? You were working for a reseller store no no i no. was working for a corporate corporate store, store. don't okay. take me there but I feel like <laughs> <laughs> so you were on the silk road and you were selling knockoff cell phones so so when you were running at&t so when you were running at&t <laughs> no see not even running see no hey he bitch slapped my ego and then he and then he put me up on willy wonka's elevator real quick he was like shit i kind of knocked him down let me bring him all the way back up so you so, were the ceo of at&t <laughs> 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 so look, you know who I really was at AT and T. I was the kid that literally was working part time, Friday through Sunday. Right, I got put into that job because I lied in my interview, said I had hella experience. I worked at Best Buy for a month in the transition just to learn the cell phone game. We've all done it. We've all yeah. done it. Yeah. So, and I was like always like kind of late. 
like 10, 15 minutes because like I'd be up till six in the morning the night before. Just like while I remember actually going to UCSB for Halloween and then having to come to work the next day. So me in my little fucking Tarzan skirt, just lit as shit. <laughs> Woke up at 4.30, drove back, ran into work. But regardless. The good old days. Good old days. But in that job, you had to like learn how to scheme a little bit. You know what I mean? It's sales at the end of the day. So uh, the yeah, big man. cats had this like operating system that they had changed, but they still knew like the cutty codes and like the ways at six months to change a code. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To get the credit for it, but it wouldn't affect the previous guy, so there wouldn't be any like inquiries. And like I came upon all these different things and like, you know, found the the, the postal service discount. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on my mom's shit. Next Put thing it you on know, the, the I homies. was a mailman. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Eli being the enterprising young man that he is as well, <laughs> finds his way to a scheme. You know what I mean? <laughs> and had to bring it up. And like I was just like, Yeah, let's run it. Like I got you. Let's go. And so Eli had I don't know if you still have his shit, but Eli had the postal service discount, which was like what? 35% off Something the bill, like that. 50% off yeah. accessories, just like Whatever it was, it was, a, it was a college student million. That's what it was. That's what oh. I was saving every well, I'm month. Well, we I'm glad we got the share in the treasure troll. So you're a mailman. <laughs> yeah. A mailman is great. Retired mailman. Retired mailman. I've moved on. Yep. <laughs> dude, I know this dude from, uh, we went to Birthright together. Respect. Or the first trip to Israel, was that like 2007? Uh, that was, so. yeah, 2007, summer 2007. Dude, I oh saw wow! So this was while you were at. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I probably right. met you guys very close in time to each yeah. other. I had no idea that. It's crazy because yeah. we had no idea then either. <laughs> right. I should have introduced you guys. Shit. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a little before we met. A couple of years. Yeah. Because I wasn't playing in New Kingdom yet. I was in a band, but not New Kingdom yet. Right. It's epic. And uh, yeah, we met. We uh, met at the airport. Saw this dude. He saw me. We didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> then we got room together. And then after that, it was just like. We just hit it off. So it was the oldest trip. motherfucker on birthright and the youngest. So I, was, the, I was the oldest the, dude, yeah. The ages on that trip, it's it's a trip for 18 to 26-year-olds. Yeah. I think you were around 26, 25, 26? I, I was 25, yeah. You were 25. I was like a fresh 18. So really, I mean. And I had no have, clue because this dude's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> like, this dude's a giant with a beard at 18. We, yeah. we hit it off on day one. Um, nice. And by the end of the trip, um, which was like 10 days, um, I mean, for that whole time, I was begging Joe, like, just please stay here longer. So like, this was crazy, really, dude. So yeah. I actually had a flight. So you, you pay for your flight there and back round trip. And uh, I, so I had my flight scheduled back. So the whole trip and we just we partied that whole time. We had an, a fantastic experience. Amazing time. A, a bunch, a lot of other stuff, too. Just seeing the country yeah. and everything. Yeah. But so on the trip back, um, he's like, dude, you got to stay. He was staying. So he's like, you got to stay. You got to stay. And we get to the airport. And last minute, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not getting on. <laughs> so, and I, I, I didn't even have that much money on me, yeah. like at all. I think I borrowed money from this dude. And we, uh, we had some friends that like were staying at a hotel that night, crashed, this, crashed with them. Then we went back to the hotel that we stayed on on the trip. And That's right. That became home base. I became we home left base. bags there. We'd go on overnight trips. And, we went like we camping just, on the river thing. Oh my! Oh, like, That's that was yeah. wild. And yeah. That home base though, we just got like. <laughs> We just kind of thugged it with them. We were just like yeah. so cool with them. It was like we were, 20 we worked, bucks a night ahead. We or worked something. out this like, crazy yeah. deal where they were just like, all right, yeah, you can stay here. We're like, can we also just leave our bags here for a few days? So like, we'll just leave it in the laundry room. But, um, and then we just traveled the country. We like took buses, did some cool shit. Yeah. yeah. St- did camping on the lake, 
Um, did a bunch of stuff. How was that experience for you guys? Life, and like life changing. Life changing. So like, came home with a new brother. That's lit. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Real. That's lit. For sure. Yeah. And we've been and we've been close friends ever since, man. Yeah. It's crazy how trips like that really bond people, especially when you get the chance to like. Because I feel like you're on a trip going back to the homeland, right? And then you're already excited, like, you know what, like, let me just go experience this. This is being offered to us. I think it's the greatest thing ever, the birthright trip. Yeah. Um, even even if some people see it as like, you know, yeah, go find your husband and wife. And, like, the families are kind of like, yeah, go see, on. what we went on, ours, I mean, there was the, the element of that, but ours, like, low-key was the party trip. Bro, high right, key, high right, key, right. high key, you get the dudes that go on that that are like, let's just rock out in Israel and you go to do that. But our, ours was like branded you, as... You find a grandfather in, in training <laughs> and you find a young, like 18-year-old fresh person to get it and they thug it out. It's like yes. bad grandpa. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. No, but what was the experience like Like in... in, in was that your, fir- your guys' first time? Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that experience like for y'all? Oh man, it was I mean, just it was crazy. The the traveling, seeing the country. Um, you know, I'm not a religious dude. Yeah, Joe, you know? I want I wanna hear uh, I want I wanna hear you talk about your impression of the land before this trip and why, you know, you waited until then to take this, you know, almost free trip. Yeah, shame and on then, you, and No, I mean no, no because like no. there's totally a reason kidding. why, you know, it took that long and, and, and then like what you left with. Yeah, look, I'm not a religious dude. Yeah. I mean I grew up Jewish, I was bar mitzvah, I went to Hebrew school, I did all that. But I'm not like It wasn't a big part of your life no, in your twenties. No, I mean, it just wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But still um, not. It was getting down to the wire of it, and I knew that you know I had an opportunity to do this, yeah. and it was a, basically a free trip. Word. And, and it's bigger than you, right? Israel's been there forever. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was called, whoever whoever was there, it's and, been there forever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much bigger than me or you. And I don't even know if I'll ever go back, just yeah. because that's kind of like it's it's so far away. Yeah. Um, and it's such a part of like Jewish history. Yeah. Um. And just aside from that, it was just a really good opportunity to, to step in. And what you hear about Israel in the media is like totally not what it is when you get there. Yeah. It's when you get there, you, you realize everyone there is pretty much just like you. Everyone's partying. I mean, the, the even in uniform, even in uniform, we had some soldiers on our trip. Which was really cool. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did, Joe. I had a little lady friend. (laughs) The lady soldier. Lady soldier. I respect GI Jane in this. (laughs) Um, But you learn a lot about your roots there. Uh, It's a weird thing that kind of overtakes you, um, and you do feel kind of among this community there. But it was it was so cool. It was it wasn't like anything I expected. I mean, just great food, great people. Tel Aviv is just awesome. It's awesome. like Miami of the Middle East. Dope. Totally. And the country itself is gorgeous. Like <laughs> it's it's there's parts that are identical to Malibu. You oh, know, there's you know, it's it's just awesome and, and it's such a friendly vibe. So all the stuff you hear about so much conflict there and everything, yeah. you just don't feel it unless you're really there. But yeah. I didn't really feel it. You know? Right. I mean we went to a couple couple iffy places. Yeah, no, we did. But, um, I mean, generally speaking, like, you're living everyday life there, and, you know, people just go on. They, you know, I think there's something to learn there for sure. Oh, Absolutely. there's definitely something I to mean, learn I mean, I think there. for, like, when I was, I'm a dual citizen to Iran and, and the United States. Oh, no shit. Um, so a big part of my parents is, like, the majority of my family, and my mom has uh, five sisters, 
um, and two brothers, and my dad has two sisters and a brother. And my grandparents were out there, like all my aunts and uncles were out there. There's only two that are not in Iran, and one of them I'd met at the time. So for my parents, it was a big deal of like going back to Iran and, and making sure you see the family before, you know, they're getting older. My grandpa was like 86, 85 at the time. Right. Um, but one of the biggest things that they had to figure out for me was the, the, the army stuff. Because since I was a dual citizen, they had to work out that, like, make sure that if I went back, I wasn't going to have to be thrown into two years yes, of army. Yes, interesting. Right. So they had to pay an amount and figure out all these things and get the assurances. Crazy thing about my dad is that, like, probably five, ten years before that trip, he found out that he was off the list of being executed when he came in for, like, joining a – or just, like – attending a conference or like a, a rally when he was in college against the Khomeini at the time. Right. Wow. So he couldn't see his family for like 25, 30 years. That's Man. insane. But I went there and, you know, in high school and that's a big thing for, I feel like any, any family of, 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 of foreign descent to like want their children to go back home and experience what they kind of were raised in or even just like the land in and of itself if they're happen to be second or third generation. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a special experience for yeah. sure. And then connecting with Eli, I mean, we were we were road dogs there. <laughs> road and, uh, dogs. And actually, I had even more fun when we were just traveling um, outside the group. Absolutely. Because there's this, it was it was just, um, I don't know, you just immerse yourself in the culture. Yeah. I mean, how how long did we sit on that kayak in the in the river for? Just like talking. Yeah, it was just crazy talking. I mean. And, just like sunrise to sunset i mean that was wild. Like, yeah it's insane you know it's just insane like the things you you experience there i just remember laying in like the mediterranean sea being like i'm so far from work right now <laughs> like i'm not doing i can't do shit right now other than lay here and stare at the fucking sun yeah in this warm water that had to just be so and much then freedom there we're gonna go eat some shawarma and smoke some hash respect <laughs> And that it was that was life. It was so awesome. And then on top of that, there's the the culture of Israel. But anyway, long long story short, that's how I met this dude. And uh, Eli has also been like a mentor. That's the thing too. This fucking 18 year old. He's not 18 anymore. But <laughs> this guy, I, I only look at him. You know when you meet someone and that's and, and they're permanently 18. Old, by the way. Yeah. He's just 18. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't even know. What are you 26 now? <laughs> I'm 28. 20. See, I don't like. You're, you're 18, bro. You're fucking. Eight, you're you're 18. I'm t- stuck in a time warp with him. But when I started my business, yeah. um, he's been such a huge mentor. Yeah. It's more like I mean, we're friends, but someone who has the business acumen, who's gone through that, who kind of sees things in that light. And it's not even, you know, the my industry is so different than yeah. what he he's even yeah. been. But it's just a different sense of how you see the world. Um, he's been such a huge support and soundboard uh, mm. throughout my journey of building a business. And we've gone through some crazy talks about that shit. And I've watched him build his too. And it's go from nothing to what it is now. I want to do a Wonder Years like time warp real quick. Shout out to Kevin Savage. I hope his name is Kevin Savage. Cause Kevin Savage, bro? I don't fucking know. Something <laughs> Regardless, that I lupate myself there. No, but were you always an LA native? Yes, born and raised. Born and raised in yeah. LA. So I I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and uh, as as we talked about before the interview, I uh, I hated high school. <clears throat> I left high school when I was like fifteen. Okay. Started uh, 
I started going to college what, at SMC. What, what was it about about high Which school? Which is insane at it's 15? Yeah, yeah. At 15? It's yeah. wild. You know, um, high school is very structured, and uh, it didn't work for me. Okay. Um, I think I needed to be in more of a free environment where I could, you know, choose my subjects, have more of like a... So you had freedom. that like early on. Yeah. No, I... Uh, yeah. When I, when I started college i was getting dropped off by my dad like i was picking my own classes yeah and, you know like like waiting up till midnight to like sign up for the class before <laughs> it gets closed up figuring out what i had to take to transfer right it was all you yeah it was all me it was all me um and that was you know that was something that i actually had to take in order to convince my parents because you know you're you're under 18 yeah um they actually made me take summer school. I was thinking about this even earlier, like in ninth grade. I had, they made me take summer school one wow. year at SMC when, after ninth grade. And they're like, if you can do this and show us that you're ready to do this, then then you can make the jump. Wow. So you, in ninth grade, yeah. had this. It's crazy because- like, I was like, I, I need to get out of here. What, like, what compelled you, though, yeah. that you needed? Like, <laughs> yeah. in ninth grade- That's lit. Like, I, I, was, I was, like, low-key excited for high school. I'm like, this is great. Like, I, I, play I, sports. Actually, I actually like, thought about that, taking, um, you know, just graduating early, like, my junior year. But, like, even then, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I want to be with my boys. Like, fuck, fuck graduating early. Right. What what was that in the mindset? Like ninth grade. That's lit. Like what? Because you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for me, I knew that I I wanted to be more successful even as a student than I was, and I felt like the system was holding me back. Mm. I thought that um, I'm a perfect example. My last paper in high school. It's like a five paragraph essay. Yeah. You know, this paragraph is this. The intro, the, the body, and, and, and each. Then, like in, in this paragraph, we need two of these sentences and yeah. three. Yeah. And and I failed it. I don't remember my grade exactly. It was a very low grade. Yeah. Um, and you know, first paper in college was a ten page paper. They said it has to be ten pages. I'd never written five pages before. <laughs> I was writing ten now. And and there was no structure. There was a prompt, and the prompt was one sentence, and it was it was like write about you know pick a theme and write about it for for this book, and it was the Kite Runner actually. Wow! Did you read the Kite Runner? I haven't. The Kite Runner actually will make it will remind you a lot of your Persian heritage. You should Word. read it. That was amazing a, book. That was, that was a huge amazing book. book. Yeah, it, they it, made a movie you, about you, it. Right? You know what book I did read that like gave me that was I read The Alchemist the first time. Okay, I went yeah, to I read that I in the same class. That's funny you said that. Word. So anyway, so. Um, so I, I hand in this essay, my first paper in college, and I get an A. I get, a, I get the highest grade in the class. And that's like the perfect example of like how that was a better environment yeah. for me where it was like, this is actually a harder <coughs> task. You're going to have to spend more time doing it, but, um, but you can do it however you want. You can structure it however you want. Mm. There's less direction. Were you like that as a kid? Like, was this always a buildup to the moment where you just needed to like eject and hit the parachute? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It was always like that as a kid where, where I definitely had different needs than other kids. I don't know if I was necessarily, um, you know, I don't know if I was ready for college when I was yeah, a no, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I definitely had different needs. You knew uh, there you was a different way of else. communicate with me. There was a different way of getting through to me. Got it. Um, and definitely a different like environment where I could learn and be productive. Got it. Yeah. I've always known that about myself. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's incredible that like, You've been that self-aware. Yeah. And even in times where, you know what I'm saying, being that young, you don't really know what to like define it as or what to, to say about it, but you just know that there was something that was 
different. Yeah, I mean, I have I have the equivalent of that today. I know I know today that I get my best work done when I'm traveling. I do my really? best thinking when I'm traveling. I'm more productive on the road than at work. Wow. And it's and it's isolation. It's getting out of the office, getting away from home. Uh, not that like anybody here yeah. is like you know it's like uh, you know it feels heavy or anything like that. But like like just being in my own head for a few days and you know being on a plane. Being stuck in a hotel yeah. room where it's a different time zone, there's no one to call, yeah. and you're forced to just to just think and dwell on the same ideas for a long time. I always come, whether it's a successful trip or not, I always come home with something fresh. Got it. And so that's I think that's like the parallel of like, you know how uh, you know I had a different way of learning. Did when that I was, did that translate in in your adjustment into college, being that you were so much younger? Because like I think one of the biggest things about being younger and going to college is that it's not necessarily the workload because that can be done if the mind is is sure. trained that way but absolutely the environment like socially yeah right cuz i think what a lot of parents are most scared about with their kids is like yo like we don't even think you'll be able to party like that but <laughs> what will that do to your psyche right. but also be think about being a kid to like be a I kid I, in college I, I was scared of the seniors yeah <laughs> <laughs> like college like yeah. hell no That's exactly awesome. like was that like a factor or how would that kind of play out for you in terms of like being able to i don't want to say yeah it was a factor it was a factor for sure um you know, it wasn't it wasn't so heavy. It wasn't the first thing on my mind. But in every situation, um, I, f- I almost felt like I had something to explain or prove. Um, you know, if it was like uh, rushing for my fraternity, you know, I'm rushing for a fraternity. I'm 16 years old. <laughs> like, what was that like? I, by the dude? way, I graduated college at 20. I never had a legal drink in college. That's insane. So, I mean, it, so, yeah, it, there was definitely a lot of moments where, guys are using words that I've never heard. And like, I mean, I'm literally like, I, I still had my high school friends and now I'm like, yeah, it was crazy. It was Wait, crazy. How'd you, how'd you make that transition? So you went socially. Well, no. So 15, yeah. you went to SMC. I went to SMC. How many years there? I'm there for a year. And then you got to, cause they can do that at that age. You can get like a GED or something. Yeah. I took a CHSPE, which is different than a GD. A GD is, I think, like when you drop out of high school, but then later on in life, oh, okay. you want to get, you know, the high, school. the high school equivalent or whatever. Um, a CHSB you can only take before you're 18. And it's like, it's basically, it, uh, the employers have to treat it as like an equivalent to a high school degree. Like wow. you basically like pass out of high school. But I, I hate to say that because it's, it's a really easy test. Okay. Um, it, it's not. I didn't study for it for one minute, and that's not because I'm smart. That's not this, this, this guy. This guy. That's not. He actually like was, no. was traveling from New York to LA when he took the test. No, I, I think I think most I think most people like halfway through high school could pass it. Word. Yeah. Um, and and that's sad actually because like that's the standard that you know the state holds our education to. Absolutely. And then you, right? you just applied traditionally to USC. I applied as a transfer as a as a sophomore from SMC. So I, I got to. SC so you bypass like SATs and all that. Yeah, stuff? I never took my SATs. That's never took my SATs. That's by so the way, tight. by the way, that was that was the mailman discount, right? Yeah. Because I'm not a good test taker. <laughs> I could write essays for days. I could write, but I don't take wow. tests well. I never had to take the SATs. SATs. That's incredible. Yeah. Right. 
right, so you go to SM, uh, you go to USC. Did you know what you wanted to study when you got to USC? Were you I like got to Marshall? USC and I was studying philosophy. Okay. And I loved philosophy. Got it. Um, I loved philosophy at SMC. And that was a great thing about this whole experience is that I got to SMC and I got to pick my classes. I'm, you know, I'm taking a lot of uh, philosophy and psychology rather than like the generic classes that you take in high school. Yeah. Um, and that's how I figured out what I love. Get to USC and I take a few more philosophy classes and I'm loving it. But I'm like, at this point, I'm like halfway through college. I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Wow. Right? Because like... How do you even have that no, thought? Dude, how old were you at that point? Philosophy. Philosophy. You had that thought? Yeah. 18. 18. 18. Yeah, so he was yeah. just 18. I'm 18. I'm like, I'm like what am I going to do with philosophy when I'm done? And, and, and a lot of people do philosophy to, be, to go to law school. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and that's cool. Or lie to themselves enough <laughs> yeah. to like tell themselves that they're yeah, and I didn't figure it out. I didn't want to do that. Word. I didn't want to do that. Um so I, I enrolled in the real estate development urban planning school. Um and started to learn about that, which was really cool. Uh urban planning and sustainability and like how cities grow and how we accommodate for growth so that you know, we don't, not every street looks like the 405 at 6 p.m. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really cool. And, you know, again, get to the end of college. I'm 20. I'm having so much fun. And I'm like, I'm not ready to go. This is too good. <laughs> and what's it like being in a frat, but being that young? Uh, yeah, I was a kid in a candy store. It was, <laughs> it was good. It. Yeah, it was good. Um, but but oh, here, they, here's I, the thing, I, I couldn't move out. I was I was I mean it was too good. Yeah. But th- this is the thing with Eli. Your height does make a difference here because you're not walking. <laughs> I'm t- I'm telling you, the fucking giant. You're bro. you're not walking into people co- that are listening to this are gonna think I'm nine feet tall. Can you, you please you're clarify? Nine feet tall. <laughs> you can you please clarify? Any human being <laughs> looks at you. You're <laughs> can you twelve feet seven inches. I'm six five. Okay. <laughs> okay exactly. <laughs> Hey, told so, you so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Eli. <laughs> Thank you for helping us. <laughs> but it's not like walking into college as, you know, you know, a, a little pipsqueak yeah. sophomore. Like, I think when I was like in freshman year, I was like 5'5 five, five or something. Like, with like just getting armpit hair, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but you're, you're in there. And you could easily pass for a normal college kid just based on your size. It's an 18 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Right. But that's wild. Just that's uh, epic, bro. Kind of bypassing high school to uh, and then jumping right into the frat life. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you something, though, because a, a lot of us guys with, with, with chickies go through the like, wait, but how old are you? And you, you may be like 22. <laughs> she's, she's like 26. Like, ugh, oh, my God, you're so young. Like in. <laughs> Those dudes that know, they're like, okay, if it's really a problem, then we shouldn't even be like doing this. You know what I'm saying? But what was it like for the 16, 17-year-old Eli to be in college? Like, yes, you're a kid in a candy store. Did that ever come up? And were you just like, yeah, You're talking about, about with girls? Yeah, like, yeah, baby, I'm 16. What's up? No, more like, it was more like, uh, how old are you? I'm a freshman. Uh, <laughs> so he, figured, he figured the way out. I respect it. <laughs> the mailman. Bro, when, I, was, when, I, was, when right. I first, I went to SMC for one year as one well, right. and did the USC thing. Yeah. And I met this girl, and if you're listening, we, we need to talk. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> the Ryan Gosling notebook moment. No, but I remember I was like 18, just turned 18, and we kind of started dating, and she was like 25. And she asked me how old I was, and I was like, I just turned 18. Like, on the <laughs> I was like, what's up, basically? Right. And that confidence... No, I did was, that, too. She, I did that, too. She was just kind of like, yeah. oh, well, you don't act your age. That's awesome. Cool. And I was like, you got a problem? Is, is, 
Is that no, cool? that's cool. And she was like, no, that's that's great. Right. You know what I mean? But it was awesome to see somebody going into USC at 16, like 16, 17, like super glory days oh in high school. But you got the college population oh to work with. God. Yeah, people, people always ask me, they're like, didn't you miss prom? And I'll be like, well, I was probably at a frat party that night. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I was real. I was partying at college. Yeah. You know, so it was it was different. Um, I actually did get to go to prom and uh, you know, I don't I don't think that what I did was um right for everyone. Yeah. I, I'm not like I'm not anti high school. Yeah, but, but again, it didn't you, work for me. But again, and you gotta you know knew, what works for you. You knew at that age, yeah. like no normal kid. Or like no kid that's just like throwing whims out and throwing spitballs right. at the ceiling, expecting them to stick, is gonna have that urge at ni- uh, in the ninth grade. Yeah, and be willing to to take their parents' test and be like, you gotta go here, do this. Yeah, I had we'll, to figure that all we'll out. Do that. Yeah. I had to figure that all out. And also just leaving your friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. like that's 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 probably what would have been tough for me if I was in your position of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, how I, could I? I, sure. I would just be like scared to leave my friends. And go and be with a lot of people that are older and like already gone through so many things. Just like a, it sounds just more intimidating than anything, to be honest. Yeah, I, I remember. I mean, because, you know, in college, your schedules are a lot less like hours than high school. Yeah, yeah I used to go visit high school, you know, for lunch or like for <laughs> free periods just to like hang out with friends. Yeah, no, it got lonely. Yeah, it got lonely. Um, I was working at Zara for a little bit. That wow. was like. You know, that was the Did retail any job. Did clothes fit you, though? You're a no, giant none, dog. No, none, <laughs> none. <laughs> Were you rolling up jeans before the roll-up was, like, lit? <laughs> they didn't have a size 38 length for your legs? I didn't have to cut my jean shorts, just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's incredible. So you had you wanted to stay. I wanted to stay. So you did PPD. In my last year, okay. um, I decided to apply to the engineering school. Wow. Um, and I Why the engineering school? Because they had a really cool program for construction management. Okay. And, um, and that's something I was really interested in, was construction. So I, uh, I applied to this program. I actually did have to take a standardized test this time. Got in, and uh, it was supposed to be a one-year program, but that was around the time that I started my business. Um, and I was actually part-time and I was actually traveling a lot to visit our factories and things like that Wait, while so I was... What, you, so what year was this for you? I was 20, so it was 2008. Oh, so you had, you had graduated and now this is going into the, the graduate, gra- school, graduate yeah. school. Yeah. So wait, so you had start like started a business... I started the business in the last semester of college. Was it just on a whim or... So at SC, you know, you're in South Central LA. Um, you know, it's a very interesting neighborhood because you have like this, you know, ritzy college, ritzy university, but in a neighborhood Go that's one block very you, impoverished. Yeah, you're in the hood. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's cool that uh, that when we were there, we started seeing, I don't know if you remember this, you guys, uh, you started seeing fixed gear bikes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were the, just like these really vintage looking bikes with like crazy color, like a red wheel in the front and a green in the back and purple grips and and all and, the, and no two bikes looked the same and they, they were so eye catching and it was it was literally just the kids in the neighborhood that were piecing together these old bikes and and they really caught my eye. I ended up buying one um and it was a painful process buying one. And that kind so? of like well first of all 
you could only really buy them pieced together like that. So you were buying somebody else's like... And then customizing it afterwards? Kind of, yeah, I mean, it was like somebody was like literally salvaging an old road bike and like just buying parts and piecing it together, converting it fixed and selling it on Craigslist or something. And this okay. was before like fixies were really yeah, Oh, this the was craze. really under... There was no... Yeah. There was no such thing as like a mass market fixie at this point. There oh, was like... Wow. There was like you could go up to a bike shop and buy a $1,200 track bike... Or you could buy a, like a used converted road bike on Craigslist, and and I saw this and I was like, wow! Like, a every number I'm calling on Craigslist, the bike's already sold, okay. right? And this is this is so like, the pro- there was a big void and big bottlenecks void, in the big process. void, yeah. And this so this is ten years ago, right? It's yeah. changed a lot since then. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I, I, I'm seeing this huge demand and um, and it's confusing, right? Because no two bikes are the same. So here I am, amateur you know, first time in 20 years buying a bike and I have to choose between bikes that are all different, but all the same kind of, and like this guy's piecing it together with new parts, used parts, brand name component. What? And so this gave me the idea like, Hey, like this is something that like, if we make Simplified it cool it. and bring it to market as a product that, um, you know, that our generation could relate to, there's a real opportunity here. Mm. So that was, you know, so you started that, like, just like, what, what was the initial process for you? Initial process for me, I would say um, research, research, research just okay. on the market. Like, how do you get one? Did you take any classes at Marshall? I did. Um, and none of them really had to do with, you know, marketing yeah. or product development or anything like that. I would say if anything, like my engineering classes helped me more because they had to do more with like, you know, construction management's a lot is a lot like engineering management, product development, yeah. and like it's the all project, yes, it's, and, and, and like cost management and and scheduling, estimating all that mm. stuff. So um, there were actually a lot of parallels there. And then, funny enough, my urban planning background, you know, that's all about alternative uses of transportation, getting people out of cars, getting people to walk around, oh, wow. bike friendly. So there's actually a lot of parallels between wild, the things right? that I was, yeah, the things that I was learning that had nothing to do with bikes and what I was really interested in now. And so it's not just that I saw an idea, but it's something that I really believed in. Yeah. Um, from the standpoint of like, you know, just, I mean, it was health conscious, going green. Uh, I'm an outdoorsy guy. So anything that like, you know, can get a kid off his, you know, Game Boy, iPhone, whatever, and it's and becoming outside. tougher and tougher. These yeah, it's days. tougher and tougher. So anything that would do that is something that I could really get excited about. Um, that's you know, it's a big part of my life. So Got it. Uh, it it just made sense. What was wh- then? What was the reason for going? Was it just purely to stay in college that you went the engineering route, or like you're in the infant stage of this yeah. business? And usually when kids like want to start the business, like, fuck it, like now it's time. Yeah. Let me put my own. Was That's there? a really good question. Um, you know, it was 2008. Times were really hard mm. uh, economically and all that stuff. I actually had a really good situation at the school with my student loans. Got it. They were, I mean, they were paying for Mailman's housing. Mail- no. Pick <laughs> the mailman up. Every- <laughs> Carl? <laughs> Carl, is that you? <laughs> They were uh, they were paying for housing and, and other expenses, you know, meal plans, all that stuff. So, part of me, and I, I have to be completely honest with you, yeah. part of me wanted to stay in school so that my life can continue to be paid for. Got um, it. I, I I had a job all throughout college, so I had some savings. Uh, I mean, less than ten thousand dollars. Yeah, that all went into my business. I didn't have anything left over Got to it. pour into the business, and mm. all the meanwhile, I'm 
you know, I'm applying for credit cards and doing whatever I can to just like maximize um, how much money I could borrow, no matter how expensive it was yeah. to, to throw at this thing. Um, so I, part of the reason why I stayed in school, honestly, was just so that my life can continue to be that's, paid for. That's incredible though, because like it takes a smart human being yeah. to know that, okay, the economy's in a recession. Yeah. Like bro, 2007 to like, 2009, 2010 was like brutal for this job market. Yeah. So and somebody, by the way, I was studying real estate and we yeah. had a real estate crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and especially for somebody that knows, okay, I could go out and start this business or my life's on autopilot. Maybe let me take less risk, learn a little more. Yeah. Like these were conscious decisions. This was a conscious decision. And uh, I just want to make it clear. I didn't like take any grants or, you know, get, it was loans, you know, I've paid them all back, whatever. Yeah. But like, I also got a degree that helped me a lot. I don't want to like discount that. Not um, at all. And yeah, you guys went to USC, like yeah. just like the network there, the support system, my professors that were, I was like, Hey, I'm going to China for two weeks and I'm going to miss class for the next two weeks. Like I'm this. And, and the response was like, yeah, I mean, you're starting a business. Like that's what this is all about. Exactly. Yeah. However we can support you. And that was a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, and you know, they'd send you video lectures and, and we'll get into that. I mean, I have yeah. so many cool stories about what it was like starting a business while I was still in school and yeah. traveling and all that stuff. It was, and with that, well, one, that's actually a really good point about USC too. Like the music school, they also allow you to, if you go on tour yeah. or get like a record deal, yeah. you can come back and at any time and finish the program, that's even that's if amazing. it's 10 years from now. That's amazing. That's yeah, that's really, very unique because usually there's like the five-year cutoff or yeah. something. But the conversation was just that. It's like, that's the point. But what, what are you going to do? very like application-based. Yes. Yeah. That was something I could relate to. And yeah, it's not a theoretical school. Yes. No. Like you're applying what you're learning at right. USC. They're like, you have a, a chance to, to be in a touring band or have a record. Like, that's the, what are you going to do? Sit through, like, the history of yeah, radio? No, <laughs> midterm, bro. Appreciate you. Right. Yeah. No. Um, but before, before you started the business, did you ever have, did you have, like, an entrepreneurial spirit? Or did you ever start businesses? Did you want to start a business? Because in today, being a quote-unquote entrepreneur is, like, the cool, trendy shit. But going back basically what 10 years right did you ever have the thoughts of i want to start a business or you just saw an opportunity and was like oh this is what i'm gonna do uh that's a that's a good question i um i always thought i'd end up in some kind of business and being uh you know working for myself in some capacity i didn't know in what i definitely didn't think i was going to be you know in the bicycle industry um but I mean, yeah. I mean, in high school, I was buying and selling concert tickets, Laker tickets, whatever I could get my hands on. It. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd leave class to like go to the computer lab and like buy tickets that were going on sale to like K-Rock, you know, at like 10 a.m. on a Thursday <laughs> and, you know, and, and like get them, like, get Green Day tickets in fucking Chicago that I knew were going to sell out and, <laughs> and like sell, yeah, whatever it was. It comes up. Yeah, whatever it was, whatever yeah. it was. And Dude, this dude's mailman and, like yeah. and that the was, hustle's real though. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that. No, I did, I did. Yeah. So I, I always had it a little bit, but I think that I realized um you know, you could get stuck doing stuff like that. Um it's well, one of my friends uses rent control as an analogy. Um rent control is this great thing because you know people get to stay in their homes, but uh it also inhibits growth. Mm. Um you know, because if you have this apartment that, you know, you rented for 500 bucks in LA and now, you know, 10 years later, it's $610, but you can afford a $3,000 apartment, but you're still living there because it's 500 bucks. Yeah. You have this situation where, 
um, it's it's kind of not helping you anymore. Exactly. Right? It, so uh, it's the same thing. I think in business, um, you know, no matter how big I would have grown this concert ticket flipping thing for, uh, you know, I never felt like I was building something. Um, and I did, I did have like an aspiration to build something. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's amazing. Cause I, I ended up doing something that I'm like very passionate about, yeah. um, with the bikes. So take, take us through that then. So we've gotten, so we know your reason for staying in school for that. Now take us through, that experience, especially the initial experience of you have some money saved up, you're throwing it all yeah. in at the at the bikes. Yeah. And it's crazy because a, a really good friend of mine and I took the entrepreneurship program at SC. And Word. the in 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 entrepreneurship four oh one, right? Um, or the, the first the first segment of the of the core program, you have to interview an entrepreneur in, in your field. Or and for me, like I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do, so I was I was interviewing um, my boy's dad, Armin Yemenijian. What's up, big boy? Shout out to Armin. You dig? And his dad, Alex Yemenijian, who was the former president and CEO of MGM and like huge accounting boss and huge, just like Don Dada in the game, like right. Kirk Krikorian's right hand man. Right. Right. And mind you, this dude, huge Armenian cat. Like light skin, light eyes, like you would not think of him this way. Just Mr. Suave Mente, just humongous cat though, right? Comes to school in basketball shorts, basketball tee. You'd never know who he is. It's crazy because like I feel like a lot of cats that come from really wealthy families um, that also are raised well to the point where they're kind of like, you know what? Like I want to be independent myself. They have this like drive to be better and not like utilize their... Their fam, like, yes, they have different passages that uh, others don't, but like they use that only when it's necessary and want to like work hard and just be better. Because that's the talk that me and him always had. But he'd always like you'd never know who he was until one day, like he's like we got really close. Just like I don't know who the fuck he was. He didn't know who I was. He just knew I'm a chubby Persian dude that's just like <laughs> shabby dabby doo doo. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I asked him to interview his dad. I found out who he was. The, the other story that doesn't need to be said is when I got the fucking tape recorder and I, I thought I turned it on and it wasn't and I had to go straight <laughs> off memory in my notes. <laughs> but his dad's... You have a history of doing that, by the way. Hey, it happens, bro. <laughs> it happens. You know what I mean? But one thing his dad told me that really stuck was every big decision I've ever made in my life. And mind you, he was making these when he had a wife and kids. Right. Like his wife put him through school. Like he was super poor. His wife put him through school and was like Amazing. working as a maid just to like put the family by. Respect. Right? But his biggest point was every decision I made in life, I did not give myself a backup plan. Hmm. It was either win or fail. Right. Amazing. And I bring that up because you're over here. Yes, you're, you, you have your, your bare necessities set up. Right. But you're putting all of your money. Right? Yeah. Into your business at first. You yes. know goddamn well what the implications of that are. And you're also speaking about how can I get the credit cards popping? What's the most I can borrow? Right. I'm not stupid enough to think that I'm not getting hit for 24% or 17% right, interest right, right. on this shit. So take, like, what was that like? It's interesting that you say that because it was, uh, I want to step back a second. It's Let's actually go. it's back. actually very similar to what I did when I left high school. Okay. When I left high school, 
um, to go to SMC, you know, people go to community college because high school didn't go that well. They didn't get into the college they want to go to. Now I'm doing that at the age where I should be giving high school a chance. Yeah. So if, if community college didn't work for me at 15 or 16, there was no fallback. No. And, mm. and so, um, you know, this was a, a familiar feeling for me. Um, when, when it came to the business and, you know, I was putting everything I had into this idea, I really believed in it. Um, and, uh, what can I say? I mean, the fallback, there was no fallback. I mean, uh, the fallback was that there was not, you know, relatively speaking, there's not that much to lose. And I would have, you know, gotten a job if it didn't work out. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was everything. It was, uh, you know, you work in $15 an hour jobs in college and stuff. And like, that's paying for a lot of your expenses and you, you know, manage to save up almost $10,000, $8,000. Um, you know, that's, that's money. That's like, (laughs) that's real money. You work for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's a lot of money for, for me back then. That was, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So how how was it for you balancing like school and, and just like, you know, I mean, you spoke on how, um, kind of open your professors were to that. But what was that like just balance like in terms of life? Because you're adding a whole nother responsibility that you know means a lot to your future life. Right. And you you you're you're it's we're beginning to see that you're somebody that takes the three to five years ahead of your life into consideration yes. in your decisions. Yeah, I you know, um, I think that this is where passion becomes really important Mm -hmm. because I loved what I was learning at school and I loved my professors and it's not that like I didn't want to let them down, but I Mm -hmm. wanted to impress them. That was important to me. And, um, and it was the same thing at work. Like, you know, you put everything into this one idea and, uh, it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you got to make it work or it's, or it's a big bust. Um, so, uh, you know, with school, um, I did whatever I had to do to get by and to do well and to impress and to go notice. And I keep in touch with a lot of those professors today. Yeah. Um, and, and with the business, it was the same thing. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't sleeping. Um, you know, uh, my days back then, I mean, I was the way we started to sell, um, you know, we, we got, I got this shipment of bikes in and now we have product and it's like, all right, what do we do <laughs> with this product? Yeah. Um, I was driving my, I was driving a van around Los Angeles with, with bikes in the back of it, going from bike shop to bike shop, selling bikes to bike shops out of my van. I love it. What kind of van was this? It was, uh, like like a a Rapo van, like an Astro (laughs) van, like a a VW. It was was like a GMC, like extra long. It was like one of those. You you had had the the plumber's van. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know exactly which one. Yeah. So, um, so that was the van. Uh, I was driving around town selling these bikes. You know, I, I mean, a typical day you go to 20 bike shops, you're lucky to sell two bikes to one shop. I mean, that's what it was like, but, um, you got to be willing to do that to get that one shop and then to do that again the next day and get another shop. And, um, and that's how you start building accounts. And next thing you know, you do business with 10 shops, 20 shops, 50 shops, 100 shops. How was that grind for you guys? It was, was it just painful. you or was I mean, it? It was just me. Okay. Um, it was painful. It was hard. 
Did you uh, ever have like some of these owners being like, just like being like, you know, like sometimes you'll get the sale because yeah. you just throw the thug well, out. But then there's others that are like, you know what? Uh, like, yeah, we're just, here's the thing. Just not here's the thing. thing you you have wing. to realize about the space that we were in. We were selling a type of bike that they didn't know about. <sighs> right. Whoa. You have a bike shop owner. They have mountain bikes, beach cruisers, road bikes, Ooh. all of the, you know, uh, tandem bikes, all of these bikes that are so familiar. They didn't know what was going on with the fixed gear bikes. And, and the ones that, and, you know, I'd go into a shop that's been there for a million years and we all know how much like, you know, brick and mortar retail is hurting. And I'd say, Hey, listen, trust me. Like these things are selling, like, just give me the floor space. And, um, and, and most of the guys didn't bite, but the ones that did, you know, if I dropped off two bikes on Wednesday, they were calling me on Friday. Like, oh, yo, so the ones give you me got five more bikes. Oh, they sold so fast. Man. Really? so fast and i mean it's not it's not like that anymore it's been 10 years you yeah. know it's caught no, up but, but that, that but moment that is when moment, you know you're like whoa we got we, whoa we yeah, got something yeah when we got our second shipment of bikes in um it, maybe it wasn't our second by that but by second like the wheels were still moving kind of slowly but by the time we got our third shipment in it was something like 800 bikes those 800 bikes i didn't even have room for in the space that we were using we unloaded them onto the side of the street they were all pre-sold and now the bike shops were coming to us to pick them up because they'd been waiting for them wow. that that and we literally we unloaded like almost a thousand bikes on the side of the street on 21st and broadway down like downtown south of the 10 and uh and bike shops were coming up and we had their orders ready and like we loaded them up and and that was it and and, uh, and that's that's when we knew like we really had something. How long was it from shipment one to three? Oh man, uh, probably like close to nine months. Got it. Yeah, yeah. we had like by that point we'd probably been sold out for two months, but we didn't have enough money to like like order fast enough. So it's like you you sell, and then like that day, like we got these eight hundred bikes. We we sold all of them basically in like one day. They didn't all get picked up that same day, but like they all sold that week. Um, and then like we had enough money to like place the next order, but we were sold out for three months again. So like our first couple years of business, like we're sold out for months on end, mm. which was that's incredible. Ins- that's insane. And the thing with like fixies is that they're so affordable, yeah. right? So how much were bike were you selling bikes for? We were selling these bi- the the retail price on these bikes was about three hundred fifty dollars. Okay, so just to to give you perspective, uh, not getting into numbers here, but like. When you go buy a bike, people are used to spending what six hundred, seven hundred, twelve hundred dollars on a bike. Yes. On like these top gear, like six geared, crazy <laughs> bikes that are gonna, you know, this very advanced stuff. And now you have people walking in the stores and buying these affordable, cool bikes that are putting these high price, crazy, yes. like professional, insane bikes completely like left in the well, dust now, now all these guys that were like refurbishing bikes on craigslist and stuff are hitting us up and they're like hey we're selling used bikes for 500 you're bringing new bikes with brand new components for 350 like wow. how are we gonna, like how do we get these bikes and so at that point like you know people started reaching out to us yeah. um I mean, we didn't really have like that much of an outbound sales process honestly for a couple of years because like we couldn't fulfill the demand i mean it was wow it was amazing yeah what, never, what, never what, what was that like, like for you guys not being able to fulfill it? Because I'm sure, like, to a degree, it was kind of like, okay, cool. Like, we have security in our next right. move. Yes. But then was it ever like, shit, we need to grow faster, and the only thing that's stopping us is an inflow of cash? Right. Um, that's a good question. I think um, just like other times in my life, I, 
I didn't feel the need to do what everyone else was doing. Got it. Um, you know, that I think that's the trend right now is like, let's not worry about being profitable or whatever. Like everybody wants like a small piece of this enormous pie. And for me, I was like, you know what? I don't need to be part of an enormous pie. Like, like my business right now is like very comprehensible for me. It makes sense to me. It's simple enough. And like, if we grow it organically, then I'll always be ready because I will have always taken the step before. But if mm. we just try to supercharge it, um, yeah, I was always afraid that so it would again, get away from me. So again, conscious decision. Very conscious. Yeah. Got no, it. because um you know, we did have we did have some individuals that helped us along the way that you know, lent us money or whatever. Um that uh that helped us out a lot, but um conscious decision for sure to keep control of the company. Got it. Yeah. I remember seeing if you want to get into the story, but there was the the picture where David Beckham yeah. gets the bike. Now, shout out to David fucking now, Beckham. Now, you the reason you're listening, David. You, now, the, the, the gorgeous the, bastard yeah. you. <laughs> the the reason I bring this up is because you have to think about what you're doing isn't just about selling bikes. Right. Now you're impacting pop culture. Yeah. And that's what I think Fixies did. It wasn't so much like this is a great business opportunity because I could just slang bikes. It's something that's having a huge influence on the the community on the culture on you know riding bikes were trendy again if you had a fixie you were all of a sudden cool it was very cool I it, mean, was, it was bike, a it was a cool thing to do it wasn't yeah. about oh i just got a new bike you right. were our doing- bike was in a will i am video i mean the david beckham thing um it was in uh, one of our bikes was in her that you know that movie uh, yeah yeah her I mean, it was it was all I mean, we've been in like all kinds of what, commercials what, what, that you've all what seen. What was I mean, that like? I want to say from from a standpoint of just like yeah. a cool factor, but also like from a business standpoint, right? Right. So because you start you start getting hot in the game, your boys want some, yeah. and they're like, "Yo, I know you're selling them for these, but yeah. give me the you know what do you get them at?" Oh, I, I was I'm always happy to hook up the homies. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love that. Nothing makes me happier. Again, like I still have a bike from him. Yeah, Lit. I, I mean, again. For me, like the most rewarding part of all of this is how much I love the outdoors and getting people outside. Got it. Um, And, you know, even if it's just like, even if it's just giving a bike to a friend who I know is only going to use it to like ride one block to brunch on Sundays, like at least (laughs) riding a bike, you know, 50 blocks more all year than they would have otherwise. Like that makes me happy. Got it. Um, And I think I think that that. You know, just like having those little experiences, you know, has a really positive uh, and exponential like impact on a person. What 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 was the outdoors for you that you wanted to like? Yeah. To kind of like, I guess even when you know that people aren't going to maximize it to maybe yeah. you know how much you love it, but just the 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 thought of giving it a shot of somebody experiencing the outdoors. What sure. What, I, what, what was that outdoors to you? Right. I I grew up in a family that really loved the outdoors. Um, I mean, even like when my family had dinner at home, like we were sitting outside, we were grilling. Um, but also, you know, my, my, my parents and grandparents, you know, took us, you know, skiing in Big Bear Mountain High when, you know, in, in SoCal, like in the winters, you know, as much as possible, um, you know, maybe like five ten weekends a year and same got thing it. in the summer like we'd go to castaic lake and like you know go water skiing or whatever it was um and those are really like my most cherished memories um my nice. favorite trip 
ever took with my family uh, was going to Lake Tahoe every summer and just like chilling by the lake, ever you know, for a week. Yeah. And going hiking and you know whatever it was. Um, so I, I had this like very um, deeply rooted connection to the outdoors. But what made me really want to share that was my early stages of starting my business and going to bike shops that were not welcoming. They were not welcoming of a young person coming in with a fresh idea. They were not welcoming of a new type of bike that they hadn't heard of. I found the industry to kind of cage people off. And I found it to be almost like this exclusive club for enthusiasts. Um, And that's where I really saw an opportunity. I said, if if we can do this and partner with the shops that are interested in the person who hasn't been in a bike been on a bike in 10 years that's who we want to do business with that's who can be a strong partner for us um and i think that's like what we really built uh our brands on yeah is is the idea of um you know forget about the guy that has five bikes in the garage that guy's got his favorite bike brand way too many companies competing for his business i'm much more interested in yo anoush you just lost 30 pounds like like, what to do, baby? Like your 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 health is obviously important to you. Yeah, I know. I know you like having a good time. Like, why don't yes. you, why don't we go on a bike ride together? This I weekend? would love to go on a so, bike ride. You know, that's what. But like, really, <laughs> like that's serious, that's the real stuff, right? Let's and cruise like, on a on a and, whip, and, and, and I've done stuff like that. I've yeah. done stuff like that, and and I'm happy to. I love it. Okay. Um, and so so for me, it's that uh, I'd much rather you know talk to you about getting on a bike than than somebody who's already got a bunch of bikes. Got it. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, during that that time and you're seeing rapid growth, are you still in school? I am. I am. At this point, um, I'm still in school. We're having uh, some early stage, you know, growth problems and manufacturing issues. I'm traveling to China. What were some of those issues? Um, So one of the factories I was working with that... um, that was basically they're basically our factories are an extension of us here so we don't you know we don't produce everything here but um you know our factories overseas they they work with us like really as a partner more than anything else so the person i was working with my contact at our first factory actually sent me an email one day and they're like hey we can't do business with you anymore like we have an exclusive relationship with a much bigger company that prohibits us from working with you anymore oh wow and, and, and so i have this big freak out and i'm like oh my god like <coughs> things are going so well here we're like we could barely get product fast enough and now i have to find a new you know supplier so i you know i like immediately i get on skype and this is like a nightly thing for me i'm on skype you know like midnight every night just like talking to suppliers and stuff and I'm like, hey, like, what are we going to do? Da, da, da. And she's like, don't worry. I got you covered. My husband works for another factory. I'm going to hook you up with them. They're going to take care of you. And she's, you know, dropping all these names of different companies that they produce for. They're legit. Don't worry. You can trust them, blah, blah, blah. I don't even have time to think about it. And we place production with these guys. Little do I know that they had a little scheme going, that she was taking business away from her big thing and basically funneling business to her the factory her husband worked for and taking like a you know kickback or something like that next thing you know entrepreneurs and especially in the global economy there yeah and and so next thing you know we're getting you know bikes that aren't up to like our quality standards um and uh i mean we had like a situation where like uh, thankfully it was a bike shop they got a bike where like they opened the box to build this bike to put it on the floor 
and there was like an empty pack of like Chinese cigarettes in the box. I mean, like, <laughs> like could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if like, <laughs> if like a consumer got that? Oh, I mean, it'd wow. be terrible. It'd yeah. be terrible. Oh my god. And I mean, it's not it's not like anything that's like dangerous no, or yeah, you know no. what I mean? But like, but dude, like, I would take from a an pic- experience. I would take yeah. like, whoa, I would, whoa, t- really? I, would t- I would take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Well, what part is this? So yeah, exactly. Right. No, but just from an experiential standpoint, it's just like whoa. Oh, so that w- that was a really real uh, experience for me. So I, I actually flew there almost immediately, and um, and how did you figure that out? How did I figure out that it was her husband's thing, or like no, just like the, that, like oh, okay, the scam so, was happening, and you had to go in there, like so, so she, so she gets me on this thing, and she gets me really excited about the new factory. They reduce my cost a little bit, and they tell me that like the quality is gonna be a lot better, or whatever. So th- I'm sold, right? Like it's I'm I'm getting more, paying less, right? Yeah, and you have to, and you're still, and, and, and you're I have to be sold because I don't have a choice. Yeah, I need yeah. bikes yeah. yesterday. You're yeah. in panic mode, yeah. right? I'm in panic mode. So so you kind of get sucked into this bad situation. Um, and then, you know, it ends up not being what they sold. So I'm like, you know what? Next flight to China. Um, and, and this was around the time, actually, of it was, it was going to be like my last exam at USC. Um, oh, wow. and, and it's like it's like your final exam. And like you can't Ever. you can't you can't get your master's degree that you've been working on for two years unless you take this exam, pass it. And, you know, this class and whatever. So I go up to the professor and I'm like, hey. This is the situation. I know I've missed half the semester traveling and working, whatever. Um, I can't. I, I, I'm just like, it, it would suck if this happened, but um, I will go on this trip regardless of what you say. So, like, let's work it out together. And he's like, dude, there's nothing I could do. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, you got to take this test. You know, the test is the test. And I was like, there's got to be a way. Please work with me. And he's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, you go to a reputable university in China and you find someone to proctor your exam, I'll email it to them. And <laughs> you could take shit, your, fi- your exam in, in China. So I was like, done. Don't worry about That's, it. I got it. You're like, okay. <laughs> Roll up in the Shangzhou <laughs> University so, off, off, on site. So now, so now I go home and it's like 11 p.m. and I'm like, on, I'm on like one Skype call with like the factories, like, hey, I'll be there in three days, and like another thing, I'm like researching universities near. So I end up at like this Fukakta University in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm calling down, I'm like, hey, I'm staying at a hotel nearby. Um, I'm an American student, you know, I want to take a test there. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, call our international office. They, they think that I'm You're trying to apply to, <laughs> to, go, to be a student there. They don't understand anything I'm saying. And like, by the way, you can't get anyone in China to, I mean, people in China don't speak English. Yeah. It's not common. Um, I mean, restaurants or, or banks or, I mean, sophisticated places, no matter where you are, it's very hard to find people who speak English. So I'm like, so I'm just calling and calling and calling until I could get someone, and then and then I'm I'm like trying to explain it in the simplest yeah. and slowest way, like hello, I am a student from America. I need to take a test. Test what? Like like totally confused. <laughs> the, bu- the buzzword kills right, them. Right. Test. Um, and uh, anyway, so finally figured it out, and 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 I figured out how to how to take this test. There was very grateful for you know this person doing me this favor of you know f- that they really didn't have to do me and my professor for letting me do that but uh, you know i had to do stuff like that yeah. all along your professor was probably like thinking to himself like i'm glad he did it <laughs> like, yeah i'm gonna put no. this in front of you. you you get this done we we know what it is that but, was like, a life experience smiling yeah you know what i mean yeah no he was he was definitely a wise he was a wise man and that was that was a life lesson you know i'll tell my kids that story one day yeah. and be like hey that time i figured it out 
Yes. When, when, you know, it was, it was fail your, you know, the last educational academic exam of your life or, you know, or do this thing that you have to do for your business. Um, so I think these are like the moments that, and absolutely. And, and uh, that kind of stuff is prevalent in the way that we've always run our business and continue to run our business. So, know. so you were at that point, you took your final, yeah. you made that happen, but you're, you were like, fuck it, I'm going to make this happen regardless. Now right. you're in China. So now I'm in China and I'm meeting with that first factory. I okay. think I'm going there to, uh, to beg them for, to just like, you know, to, to work with me again. And, um, what ends up happening is that they're like, Hey, um, we're not sure if this happened to you because it happened to some of our other customers and we haven't heard from you in a while, but it seems like this person was taking business away from oh, here. Wow. wow. And I was like, it's good to be home. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Showed up in China and you're like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, Whew. yeah. We, we actually don't work with them anymore, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, yeah, that's, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. So you went back to that factory then? Yes. Yeah. That had to be just like the biggest relief for you. Yeah, yeah. Like you caught a predator. You know what I'm saying? It was on NBC <laughs> Dateline. They're like, we got him, buddy. Is this the guy? All right, now leave the crib. You can come back to your house, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's, it's incredible that those moments, you know, when you're starting a business, there's it's never going to be a smooth ride, like ever. Right. And I'm sure that's one of many hurdles. Oh, it's the you. stuff that you don't think of. Yeah. Um, and that's what I hate about you know, putting everything on, I'm a spreadsheet guy. I'm pretty calculated. I plan, but like y you can never account for everything. Mm. Um, if you try to, if you try to plan things so precisely that you have exactly enough for this and that, like you're always going to miss it because there's always going to be surprises. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. How do you, you know, in terms of, uh, being in the fixie era where they just started booming. Right. How do you deal with that? Because you came in, like right before it became, you know, a quote unquote bubble almost, right? Right. How do you deal with this now, you know, insane competition? Now you're seeing fixies everywhere. You're seeing right. a million fixie companies pop up. Um, how did that, how do you deal with that? And, you know, whether it's pivoting or, you know, just maneuvering sure. and, and separating you from the pack. Right. Well, I think fortunately uh, we were the first to, you know, mass produce it, if you will. Okay. Um, and I hate to use that word because um, we actually went really out of our way to make our bikes look like the ones that were pieced together with different colors. Like we would Got make it. a yellow bike with a purple wheel in the front with a orange wheel in the back mm. and whatever. So we, we would really do stuff. And I think like people remembered us as the brand that brought it to the mainstream that made it available for the bike shops. Wow. Um, so I think that's powerful. I think the fact that we handled business so well when we had no competition said a lot about us and people continue to like to work for us, uh, work with us. Perfect example is, uh, you know, the owner of the Beverly Hills bike shop. Yeah, actually, I walked into his store with my road bike the other day and he's like, remember that time that you sent us that batch of bikes? And it was actually that batch of bikes I told you with about that, that was like a little problematic. Yeah. And, and he's like, it was a little problematic and you took them all back and you're like, you didn't have to do that, but like you did. He's like, that's why we still do business with you. And like, that was really, I mean, like really recent. So like what, eight years later. And wow. he remembers that. So he probably deals with stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um, and he remembers that. So I, I really think that um, it's important to, you know, just always do the right thing. People remember it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, 
if you lie once, you're a liar. Yeah. And if, if you do the right thing all the time, you know, like that's all that matters. If you do the right thing 95% of the time, people only remember the 5% of the time that you didn't do the right thing. Absolutely. That's, that's the bottom line. So you gotta, mm. you gotta like, you know, be willing to stamp your name on everything that you do. Absolutely. Um, how, how was that, that growth <coughs> period for you? Right. Cause like what that was, that was very like young in the first few years of your business. Right. Right. How, how, how has the, how has the last five been just for you in terms of like growing, building teams, right. like overseeing more, yes. being a, needing, needing to take a step and, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of these or like if my assertions are, are straying away, but it, it comes now to the point where you have to be more of the visionary and over like as, as, as hands on as you're in your business, right. The, the real, the leaders like takes take some hands off uh what's it called delegate more and then the ones that really delegate more successfully like interview the shit out of their employees and like in like build from the top down and all that but piece together a team where trust again yes is is needed and necessary for for growth and, and sustaining that growth and then the the head is is supposed to oversee all these things and take more minute looks at certain details but trust in that those who they put in place can do it and then also just think about growth in general yeah so how has that kind of been for you from going yeah it was a one long ass show way when of, we started yeah i mean you were the dude in the van yeah long doing, ass way of right. saying how has it been going from you doing every damn thing possible to now overseeing like a bigger business sure yeah so there's uh to address that question there's 20 of us now got it um so it is a bigger team one of the hardest things for me uh, as an operator has been delegating, um, relinquishing control. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things I've learned is just like how much time and effort you have to put into hiring the right people. Yeah. Um, it's really so important. Uh, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And, um, you know, that's something I take really seriously. And, uh, and, Fortunately, like we have a really amazing group of people that um, that work for our company and they share the vision and they I think that um, whether or not they're just as passionate about the particular hobby, yeah. I think they they understand what we're about and that and they're on a mission to they feel a part of something. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's powerful um, for me. You're talking about delegating. Um, you know, people always say that if you could hire somebody to do something 80% as well as you can as a CEO or as an owner, you should do it. And I don't I don't know if I buy that. I, I think that the members of our team do stuff better than when I was doing everything because I was spread so thin. Yeah. Um, I really believe that. And I try to spend a lot of time with everyone. Um, I think that's a really important thing to make sure that nobody's ever afraid to walk into my office, shoot me an email, call me, whatever it is, you know, text on the weekend. Um, I try to be really approachable, accessible, accessible. And, and, um, you know, just, uh, we're a team. So I think, I think that's important. Well, with that, I think one of the biggest challenges is, you know, how do you have trust in people to do that? Because, your retrospect is a brand that you guys aren't heavy on like big marketing campaigns no. and blasting things. You're not huge on social media. You're like a lot of your business has come from your single work. 
of you, Eli, a lot of it in the, in the, in the, in the beginning, like you just yeah, talked about, the, like, it definitely started out that way, like the foundation, right? Right. That's kind of how you built your roots. Um, so how do you transfer that into, into now your staff and dealing with like that trust and making sure, uh, the brand and everything is seen through sure. aside from delegating the actual tasks and work, but more the, the ethics, the vision and the integrity, um, the culture, the culture and, you know, in terms of building your company, I, you know, I like to tell the stories about like driving around the van in, in July, you know, on a hot day, like all over the city. And so, because I think that, um, one of the things we talk a lot about at work is that we're not, you know, one of these other like millennialized e-commerce, you know, type brands that just went and raised a bunch of money, have an unlimited marketing budget, you know, whatever, whatever. We're not Casper. We're not Warby Parker. Um, and, uh, and we have to be more creative for our exposure in the same way that we had to fight harder to get one out of 20 bike shops to give us a listen. Um, you know, we have to fight harder for exposure and for, um, you know, for building relationships and things like that. Do so. you think it's possible to, to keep that kind of counterculture, but also utilize, a, an unlimited budget? Or do you think that you just inherently lose, uh, substance? If you just like grow super quick, I don't have any negative thoughts. Not, not about even that. like negativity, yeah. but it's just like it, 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 it's always interesting when when you like even like bands, right? Like I want to play these shows and I want to speak to my fans, and then like some of them want to become superstars, right? But, not ready but to become it. superstars, like they gotta now go through a, a, a couple acceptances from labels and ARs that maybe they they right. don't need to, or, or and like a. They they need to have the hit that we could take to Australia and UK and all that, right? So I think it's just kind of like essentially it's digging into the the course, right? And 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 the direction that one takes and and the, and the the biggest thing is like the why, right? You being the sole creator, like your why, you have an intimate um, attachment to it, and it's like from a business owner, do you think that that could be achieved? in terms of keeping the cultural and the relevance and just like the non-sellout scenario. Yeah. But also infiltrate a larger mass of people. At the end of the day, right. however big you get is dependent on, on how big you want to get, right? I think that there's a, di there's a different way to approach different businesses and different um, industries. Yeah. The bicycle industry is something I kind of landed in because of this one idea i had 10 years ago yeah. i think it would uh, to be honest with you i think it would be a horrible idea to start a bicycle company today yeah. because it's it's literally an industry that's not growing got it um it's it's an industry that's like kind of stayed the same for for many many years mm. you know fluctuates a little bit up a little bit down a little bit up a little bit down but generally speaking it's been the same size so you're constantly fighting for market share that's why i think that the companies that have entered our space and raised a bunch of money and whatever I think that they've kind of come up short because they were expecting this like explosive growth yeah. that just never came. Um, so I, I actually don't think that um, that there's anything wrong with you know the super size me model um, and doing business that way. Um, I will say that uh, if we were in a different space, maybe that would make more sense. Got it. Um, but you know, for us, like we kind of know what we are and how we, we knew from the beginning, like how big fixed gear can get. I mean, it, it probably got a little bit bigger than we thought it could get, yeah, but, but it's right it, in that yeah, it was, spot. it was, it was always going to be like a niche type of bike 
and you know a niche part of a very small industry absolutely um so that's interesting that, to put in that perspective because yeah i mean the the bike industry is only so big yeah so as it is right i mean you, you know. have roughly five thousand bike shops in the country roughly that's not and bad. about a thousand every year open and a thousand every year close oh, a little wow. bit more a little bit more closed than open but it's a really tough space yeah you know, just think about L.A., just driving through town, like how many bike shops there are everywhere. Um, and, and these are all independent mom and pop shops, right? I mean, how often do people buy bicycles? Even if you're an enthusiast, you buy a $12,000 bike. Like how it. many of those are you going to buy? Yeah, yeah. You're not, there's not a lot of like rebuying or so things, things like that. You buy your bike, you have it for years. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough space. Um, a lot of times you're marketing to people who are not in the market. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, Absolutely. Yeah, which I'm sure there's still a, a lot and a lot of room for that. Yeah. But you've uh, tailed into other things too. Yes. Like what sparked you to do that? So um, we we had a phase where we, we knew that we were um, very much married to the fixed gear thing. And we said, you know, we're fully capable of making other kinds of bikes. So let's do that. Um, and so we, we kind of dove into, you know, hybrid bikes, city bikes, and we really made a point to stick to the genre of lifestyle bikes. Mm. So bikes that you would use to either commute or ride for fun on the weekends. Um, we even make like a rental bike. Now we made a point not to do anything that was like super performance oriented. Um, and that was just, that was a very conscious decision. Like that market served, let's make bikes cool and fun. Got it. Um, that, you know, that's what we've been good at. How's, how's that, how's that been for you guys? Like penetrating new market spaces? Yeah. Well, you know, the good thing is that we have existing relationships. So, uh, again, you know, I I said a minute ago, I wouldn't start a bike company today. Like what, what enables us to sell these other bikes that we make now is that 10 years of relationship. 10 years ago, we started this thing and we, we, we had this door into all these shops because we were the only ones that had this one kind of product. Yeah. And, and now if you wanted to start a, let's say like a beach cruiser company, you'd have a really hard time, you know, going door to door to bike shops and selling beach. Cru- I mean, you, yeah, it, it would be it's almost impossible. It would be almost impossible. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's something that we have a competitive advantage to do that. And that's also translated to other products. You know, we also own a, a brand called 10 toes. Ten Toes is a board company. Okay, um, I still got to get on one of those, man. Yeah, they're so cool. We talk to me about these Ten Toes. The bro. Ten Toes. First of all, first of all, <laughs> yeah. we're going on that fucking bike ride. Right? <laughs> I would love to. And like low key, we need to talk about a bike because I want to set up a scenario here. Yeah, we're doing a mama. I, we made it bike day. Yeah, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I want to ride. To be honest with you, I was yeah. actually thinking like I don't want to walk around here more. Right. But I want to ride my bike down to Westwood. Or like, Why not, man? Like, That's cool. You know what I'm saying? By the way, you should have two bikes. You okay. really should because because you're a social guy. You have friends over all the time. You got it. You have friends coming over and you're like, let's go grab a drink. Let's go yeah. to dinner. Done. Let's just ride through the streets. <laughs> yeah, like, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, I'm love gonna do that. 50-50. Like, it's the boys like, yo, bro, you want to like ride? A-? You know, David Dan would love that. Because, He'd love that. Because David <laughs> Dan David loves, Dan loves having a good time, too. He does. He loves these bikes, but like... Mind you, we rode two bikes with fucking flat ass tires <laughs> through Beverly Hills, excuse me, to get sushi. And I'm like, D, these aren't like tires aren't full. Note to self, I'll bring you a pump too. Yeah, right. He's like, no, bro, you're fine. You're just fat right now. I'm like, bro. So I'm like just treading, and he's just like, 
<laughs> David, when he runs and all that, like, literally just erect this shit, just getting it. But, like, it was the funnest thing to be riding That's bikes too good. throughout the That's city. That's too good, yeah. Right. So, yeah, uh, No, but that, and then what the hell are these 10 toes? Bro? So, so 10 toes um, was a really cool project. Uh, this is something I came across, and I was like, we got to do this. Um, we make inflatable paddle boards. So, you ever, you ever been on a paddle board? Where you stand and you just like stand up paddle stand board. Up. No, like I haven't. Okay, so it's like I haven't. It's an enlarged surfboard. Okay. I think of that shape. Okay. Um, you know, instead of being like you know six to ten feet tall, they're like ten to fourteen feet tall. Okay. And um, and you can stand on them on like a surfboard, and they float, and and there's a paddle, so it's kind of like kayaking, standing up. Yep. And what's really cool about it um, is that it really appeals to a very broad audience. You have like the surfers that are down a paddleboard when you know the surf is small and it's not that exciting, but you like, I mean, your parents and grandparents could literally paddleboard because it's that easy. It's like you're wow. selling you're selling like the appeal of of surf with the ease of standing and walking. It's, and no, it's such a cool sport. And it's a lot easier because it's inflatable. Well, so ours, so here's the thing is you have these 10 to 14 foot boards. How are you going to get a 14 foot board to the beach? Yeah. Where the fuck am I putting them? Right. So, so ours, <laughs> yeah, yeah. ours rolls up like a yoga mat. Ours rolls up like a yoga mat when you're not using it. Oh wow. And you could carry it under your arm or in the backpack that, you know, that you could get, and um, and you can take it down to the beach. We have uh, there's a pump that it comes with, or you could get an electronic pump connected to your car, and it just inflates in like five minutes. And and once it's inflated, it's an, actually an amazing device. The board is six inches thick, okay. and the top and the bottom of the board are fused together by 100 threads per square inch. So imagine what that looks Take like me inside. That technicality, because like, no, no, okay. I, I, I feel like okay. I needed to do the face, like, <laughs> a square, Whoa. and I'm just like, fuck, what, what is that? Okay, I'll, you know give, I'll I mean? give it to you like this. I'll give it to you like this. I know that's it's like okay. I'm being told something insane in terms of technology. Like, I'll give it to you like this. Okay, got it. So you have this perfect oh, shape. Shit. So because if you think about it, if you inflate a surfboard, imagine an inflatable. Yeah, it would, it would end up looking like a banana. It would yeah. be round. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So you, so you have these threads that give you this perfect shape, just like a surfboard. It's oh, actually like a very fuck. cool thing. Um, and it's and it's it's cladded with like a military grade PVC. I could drive I could drive my car over this thing. Um, you That's could, you wild. Could, you could you could jam it with a with a knife. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it's, wow. People take them actually. A big thing now is river ra- uh, is is uh, paddleboarding down rivers. Oh wow! And oh, you know you can't shit. take a regular fiberglass board down a river because if you hit a rock or something and it punctures, you oh s- yeah, you know it's gonna yeah. it's gonna absorb all the water. Oh, but this shit. thing just bounces off the rocks. Shout out to all of those fibers per square inch, bro. <laughs> Bow! <laughs> so, so uh, it's it's a really cool project. We've been doing this for how'd, two how'd years. How would that even come up? It's something that I saw and I was like, wow, this is too cool. And like nobody's, again, like nobody's dumbing this down enough for the average person. Like it's way too technical. It, just like the conversation we yeah, just had, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to explain what it is to you and, and you're like pulling your hair out if you have any. And No, you know what the thing is? is <laughs> Shut I, up. I, I know that like I have no more hair to even touch here. Like let alone pull but out. You, but I know my reaction is like you, an idiot's reaction. But you, you, you still rock a really good fade though, bro. Bro, my cul-de-sacs are so defined. Listen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I love being bald. You know what I mean? And because we've brought this up, I'm going to take it back to the eighth grade. And yes, this, this conversation was had in the eighth grade. Let's hear it. Where I went to a dermatologist and he's like, look. I actually went for the razor burn on my on my neck, 
And you know, he told me like laser and all this shit would take care of it. But the eighth, I just like that you have a beard in eighth grade. Yeah, bro. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to a dermatologist to see him, and then he was like, "Look, I could give you Propecia to stop the stuff." And I was like, "Word, like, what's the side effects?" He's like, "It'll fuck it with your libido." Yeah. And at that time, I was kind of like, "Okay, libido, doc, talk to me." You know what I mean? Like, what are we talking? About? <laughs> And he literally just did the hand motion <laughs> over like his balls area, <laughs> and I, I literally in that moment I was like, I'm going bald in peace, baby. We good. It just clicked. That's that. Boom. Because look, light I, switch. I fortunately have a nice shaped head, so when I shave my you, shit, you I'm get, not worried about it. Got a beautiful. Got a beautiful. I don't head. have the you curly nice flows head. anymore. I appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. I don't have the curly flows anymore, but fuck it. Ah, you bald as hell. <laughs> You dig? I got <laughs> way less fibers than Eli has on his inflatable uh, paddleboard. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy that it, it was sparked from just like the same idea. Like you saw an opportunity to, yeah. you know, basically did, bring did it you, to the average. Well, the, so here's the thing: do you paddleboard, and then you just like saw something. I, I like paddleboarded, and I do a lot more now. Again, like you know, all summer long, I'm taking friends, and not just like my best friends, but like whoever's down, like to Malibu or wherever, you know, along the coast here, just to go paddleboarding, because like I love just like. On Friday afternoon, okay, leaving again, work, so, throwing yeah. ten paddle boards in the car with like a bunch of pumps, and then like whoever wants to come, just like meet me at this Done. beach at the same time. You know time. what? Again, so we, we've gotten to the bike trip that we. All I guess we're go hanging on. out Saturday and Sunday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the fucking paddle boarding is yeah, going on because yeah. you're gonna see this chubbalicious motherfucker on a paddle board. Let's go. <laughs> It's a wrap. You coming? Oh, I'm, I'm there, you man. Better be there. I'm there. We're still due for that. I've, I've never been. Wow, y'all yeah. been due for that? I'm yeah. over here just learning about this. <laughs> let's, let's go. We got to make it happen. So so that's, that was a really cool project. And Is it housed under your company as another vertical? Yes. Yeah, so or is it? Our, our parent company is Westridge Outdoors. Okay. And Westridge has a few brands under it. And Ten Toes is one of them. Um, so Ten Toes is like... Uh, we we built this brand to be our board company, and we've since expanded into other things. So Westridge is your your company. Yes. Okay, that's an umbrella over the different verticals. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So um, we actually just launched um, this month, actually, uh, longboard, uh, like skateboard longboards. Um, so we have like a really nice like bamboo longboard. So that's it's our wild. first like dabble and skate. I'm about to be an outdoorsman. I'm and uh, I'm hitting <laughs> you for the longboards, the bike, and the paddleboard. I'll definitely go paddleboarding with y'all. Don't know if I'm gonna get one, <laughs> but let's go continue. Okay. So so it's been it's been really fun, man. It's been really fun. That's epic. Yeah. No. And and all of these little projects have been a learning experience for me. I don't. I mean, full disclaimer. I don't ride a skateboard. I never have. But, um, you know, Ten Toes like really took off and what's cool and, and, you know, how we got here is our bike shops are actually like, they love what we're doing. They love the way we position the products and the way, you know, working with us. We've actually had bike shops that have never sold anything other than bikes, pick up paddle boards and sell paddle boards. That's wild. And, and now that we've had these long boards for a month and I didn't even know that we were going to get, you know, cross promotion between, you know, this thing and that thing. And, and just the other day we saw someone Instagram just got off my paddleboard. Time to get on the longboard. Yeah. And it's like we've had these things for a month, and like we're already seeing some of that, and that's that's really cool. That's epic. That's really cool. You're over here smiling in your office, like shit. I need to DM him and get him like on a trip. Yeah, it was it was like, very come cool. Out and, like uh, paddle, I'll paddleboard with you, and then I'll be biking <laughs> while you skateboard. Because <laughs> right? just a disclaimer, I haven't skated though, but, but it's okay. 
I mean, we're we're in the business of uh, you know producing products that are fun, dope, and you know that's that's what it's about. Awesome. As as a business owner now in, in this stage in your life, how do you feel in you know going back to the Eli who you know left high school early because it just wasn't the right fit? Um, to now, I mean, I'm sure you, I, I know actually you had a, a billion and one challenges to every step of the way with growing th- th- this business. It's just the nature of a business. But how do you feel as a where you are now, just in your life sense? Are you still feeling challenged? Are you content? Do you want more? Where are you at right now? Sure. Um, that's actually something I'm reflecting a lot on right now. Been doing this for 10 years. And kind of got into this accidentally. Um, I meant to kind of go down the construction management road. Um, been doing this 10 years and now, you know, you're starting to think about like, where is this all going? What am I doing? Like, you know, things have kind of slowed down. You know, I'm not like driving the van anymore. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of time to reflect on that. And I think where I land all the time is that this makes me really happy. I really believe in like what I'm doing and um, love the space that I'm in, love the people that I work with. I love the vibes. You know, it's not, I, I think that like everything's kind of glorified from the outside, you know, whether it's like music or, or, you know, acting or even like owning a business, like everything looks better on the outside than yeah, it is like once you're there. So like not to say that this is like an easy life or whatever, like I still feel like, really challenged. I, I'm definitely like working too hard. Um, and that's something that like work-life balance is something I'm still figuring out, but you know, being in a space where like we're dealing with like bike shop owners and, you know, and like constantly like trying to like, f- you know, figure out how to get people outdoors. Like that's stuff that like, you know, last night, you know, Sunday night, I'm exhausted, whatever. I was like, I can't wait to get to work tomorrow. Like there's so many things that like I'm excited to work on. And that's like, that's not the feeling most people have Sunday night. It's probably not the feeling I'd have in real estate or in construction. No. Um, so I'm, I'm hanging on to it, man. I'm, I'm, that's awesome. I'm really embracing that. That's a great feeling to have. Yeah. Like that, that is when you really know, Hmm. like happiness is here. Yeah. Right. Because to be able to like, look forward to the work day. Right. It's crazy because there's so many people and I see this, uh, you know, going into, into the building every day. Like, look, like there's days where I'm just like, fuck, either I party too hard the night before or right. some days where I'm like, damn, you know what? Like, but the majority, like 95% of my days, I go in there thugging because I'm learning new things every day. Yes. Right. Um, but the majority of people, like you hit a Monday. I'm the asshole that'll talk to everybody in an elevator. We already know this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, yo, happy Monday. How's everybody doing? And it's like, ha, it's Monday. And I'm like, wait, every fucking Monday, y'all really feel like this? <laughs> like it's Wednesday, almost Friday. Right. What the fuck's that about? Like, what in the fuck Friday hits? <laughs> Ooh, it's Friday. Like, wait, every week y'all are doing this? Right, right. What the fuck are you doing wherever you're going? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's something where so many people are looking for this happiness or this thought of fucking happiness. But, like, you're over here. Yes, business has trials and tribulations. Yes, there's ups, downs. Yes, there's partners this. There's growth this. There's wrong decisions these. There's fucking epically life-changing decisions those, right? But to be able to really be like, whoa, I was exhausted on the Sunday. 
and I couldn't wait to get into work on Monday. That, that for me is just like that's that that that's that's making it. Right. That's becoming. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because like to me, making it isn't isn't an end. You know well, I mean? Let me ask you something. Do you think it's important how you use your downtime? Absolutely. So what do you what but do you do same, to like blow but at steam? The same, but I at really the, do. I think that like at the same time though, like there are times where the importance of my downtime is being a vegetable, yes. eating a lot of food. Yes. Nothing out, wrong with sprawled that. Sprawled out on the couch, music playing. Yeah, you need that recharge. Going. Yeah. But no, I think how you use your downtime, absolutely. And a big reason why is because I think a downtime in general allows you to think. Yes. In one way or another. Right. And I'm a, I, I'm a very big proponent of the power of our thoughts yes. on where we go, right? Because before I hit a rock bottom in my life, all of my thoughts were on like, holy fuck, like, how am I going to get through this day? Uh, what if I'm not as good as everybody thinks I am? All right, you're going to this event. You got to make sure your car isn't going to get towed, this, that, and the other. And like, okay, go in there thugging. Now it's like, yo, I'm thinking about this podcast. I'm thinking about work things I got to do. I'm thinking about life. I'm thinking about whooping the fucking head investor of Five Fours ass in his challenge of my discipline and losing 30 fucking pounds in two months. <laughs> you know what I mean? The last week of it, I'm thinking about <laughs> putting trash bags on my body and working out like a fucking wrestler just so I make sure I drop the weight. But I truly think that how you utilize your downtime and downtime in general is super important. Right. And I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, I said I was exhausted yesterday. Yeah. I went on, I was actually in Ohio with some friends. Wild. How beautiful um, it's is It's really that cool. There? I love Ohio. Yeah. One of our friends has a really cool place there. Cool. And uh, it's a really, it's a nice house, but it's like on a beautiful, essentially a farm. And so we were picking crops for every meal. Wow. We were making whatever it was. How wild is that? Yeah. No, I mean like. Yeah, it's amazing. From uh, farm to table, they were making literally. Like, yeah. it was, it, we had a joke at the weekend. We we're like farm to table is in LA. This is table at farm. <laughs> I feel you. Because <laughs> yeah. it was whatever we wanted. Um, I mean, they were making fresh cheese out of, you know, fresh milk. Wow. <laughs> um, it was cool. It, you know, we, we harvested uh, quail from the, you know, like. We had fresh quail. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so like, and that was after, you know, I went on a, I rode my bike down to, you know, one morning I woke up early and everyone, I rode my bike down to Ventura from Ojai, <laughs> like all the way down. I think it's like a kilometer decline and a kilometer. I mean, like you're losing, like you're climbing a couple thousand feet on the way back. Jesus. And, um, and that, that was had hard. Be, that it was windy. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was hard. Yeah. I'm, and, I, you know, I could ride distance and I could put a lot of miles in. I'm, I'm not a very good climber. Yeah. So this was like a real test for me. But like I got I got back from that weekend and I was like, all right, that was cool. Like I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready for Monday. And yeah. like it was never like it was never a dull moment. And by the way, like I definitely had my couch potato you know, days two, like it's so important to, to just like totally zone out sometimes. But even after that or whatever it is, like, like if you make that time count, like you're going to be ready for the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I mean, I also think that, you know, for you to be, uh, for you to be happy in your business, right. It doesn't discount like people should, you shouldn't look at it like, Oh, Eli, he's got this great business. It's booming. He's got all these products, it's 20 staff, all this stuff. Of course he's happy. Well, that's not necessarily what actually brings the happiness because you're still dealing with so many things that grind 
every day. Like you deal with, um, like I said, a million challenges. You've dealt yeah. with stuff where you've been almost at the bottom and had to climb your way back up. You've, you know, and it's, and you've overcome so much of that too. Yeah. And that's just a part of this. Like that's, you've done it and it's going to happen again. And yeah. that's just like the business part too. Bro. So by the way, the problems only get bigger. Yeah. They don't, they don't get smaller. I took more anxiety with me on this trip to Ohio this weekend than I ever took with me at the beginning. Wow. It's just a matter of learning how to cope with it. Yeah. I think the difference if, if you are happier or if you are more calm or at peace later in the journey, it's because you've learned how to deal with it well and exactly. how to channel it's, it. It's not that it just clears it's up. It's not that it clears out or that there's any less you know stuff to deal yes. with. Yeah, you're not going to just wake up and That's be like... That's a very big point, though. Yeah, you, you're not going to wake up every morning and be like, I'm at the ultimate happiness because yeah. I feel good and or, nothing's or, going or wrong in my day. Or have six months of yoga and been like super like chaturanga out and have the ultimate clarity. The clarity comes in your ability to like compartmentalize it or understand it for what it is yes. and be able to move forward. Right? Yeah, no, like we're it's, all human beings, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're I, a business owner, a son, you know what I'm saying, a brother, a, 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 a grandson, yeah. you know what I'm saying, have have a wife, maybe not. All of us are human beings. We deal with human problems as people, and then we also deal with like whatever our craft and our career are. Yeah, but, but like it, being able to to deal with it is 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 the biggest hurdle. Yeah, it's not you know from all the inspirational quotes out there and, yeah. and all that stuff that's just like is is all over the internet. Anytime you type in like inspirational quote, and, and a lot of them are, are great, right? But I think like some of the most inspirational and real stuff can come from those really stressful, terrible days and figuring out that you go to bed that night and survived it. Yeah. And you woke up the next morning to do it again. Right. Like, how fucking bad is it really? Yeah. You know? And then, and only then you can analyze if you're happy or not. Because if you're happy, you better be happy waking up after having a fucking miserable day and getting up and doing it again and continuing to get on your grind. Yeah. Not just, you can't just be happy just because everything's going good. Yeah. You I know, mean, I think you, that's the beauty of like, even like, you know, you're like going. You you you're you're in a business and like literally treading through and and you know carving new pathways in it of a business that you fell into, yeah. Right, but your lifestyle and your belief and how much your business fuels like your lifestyle in and of itself has allowed you to kind of grow with it, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like being real about what the filters of looking at happiness or certain types of things are or success or all these things because like you have to be in the trenches to be able to know what they are i feel like a lot of people totally we get caught up in like what the thought of what you do on a daily basis is what the thought of how sexy it may look like to when somebody sees a picture of you at a house in ohio you know what i'm saying grabbing a, a cucumber from the farm and, and having a little quaily like running next to you. You know what I mean? Horses in the background, right? But people in this day and age, it's such a digital world and such a, like a show me instantaneously world yeah. is that we just see what we forget is that we see moments caught. But in that moment, the best moments of the day yeah. caught. But, yeah. but, but we all live a real life, yeah. right? And like, 
you know, it's a quest, bro. That's the beauty of, of what this podcast is and, and what your journey is. And That's you, what I love about what you're doing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, this is beautiful. Like, for, it's, it's, it's wild because you and I knew each other in, in college. It's wild because we didn't really kick it like that in college, but we just had a, a, a genuine, just, like, cool relationship. And there was, like, the mailman scenario right. given. Right, well, yeah, that was a small piece small of our friendship. Pe- no, yeah, no, for sure. No, no, I don't yeah. bring that up to yeah. be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> you know I didn't even think you, I didn't even know you were thinking. You know fuck what? I'm you, leaving. No, fuck everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that's the beautiful thing about life, man. Is that there's people like yourself that the, from the first time I met you, and and moving forward, like I had a genuine like for you as a human being, right? It doesn't mean that we always have to like stay in touch with all these different things. It's crazy how life works that I met Joe through like the band that I was working with. You and I like completely right. fucking pride, ego, lack of communication gone. And I met Joe through that. And then Joe happened to really know you super well. But right. I would have fucking never known. Yeah, no, well, when what Joe was, said a noosh, I was like, which wait, 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 stop. <laughs> what was funny was actually you and I were at a Laker game. Yeah. Uh, what was it like earlier in the year? Yeah. Last maybe yeah, it was last yeah. year. We were at a Laker game, and <laughs> and I'm telling you about the podcast, and I show you our artwork. You're like, I'm like, yeah, my boy Anoush, and I show you. You're like, oh, I know Anoush, and then you went in to tell me the AT and T story. <laughs> <laughs> I texted you that night. Yeah, but um, no, it's it's funny how how paths cross, and from seeing you, from going from being in the van days to, you know being you know seeing your warehouse and seeing where your company is now and all the awesome things you're doing and growing it's funny it's like watching someone grow up you don't see that they actually like are changing how they look like or that they got taller or you know don't get taller bro please well you you don't you don't actually see the the people go through the changes when you see it when you're living like side by side yeah but when you talk about it now and you look back and be like I'm shocked that it's been 10 years, dude. Yeah, it's been 10 years. It's and, crazy. And I think that's a testament to what it really means to grow a business. Like, there's no overnight <laughs> stuff. And to that point of your business boomed in, in in the very early stages. Right. That's when it really took off. And now 10 years later, it's still a very successful business. Yeah. It just shows you that this is there's there's no shortcuts to this you know this is a long game you right. know you you have to build and you have to grow and you have to keep at it for a really fucking long time until one day you can look back with your homies and be like wow you came a really long way but you don't necessarily feel it while you're going through it you know yeah. what i mean time flies man that's that's one it big really lesson does, all this is uh you know there were definitely moments that you know, I wish I cherished a little bit more. I mean, to your point, like 10 years. I mean, that flew by. Flew by. Yeah. Flew by. It's wild, man. And that's that's what I think about now when I'm like, all right, you've been doing this for 10 years. Like, maybe it is a good time to, like, think about how to, you know, balance your life a little bit more. You know, you can't work this hard forever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to see, like, I want to be doing what I'm doing, you know, 10 years from now. But, um you know, really like work on like me as a person. Cause I feel like I've really like, you know, given everything to the business for mm. so long. That's amazing. That's so incredible. An- Anoush usually ends with this question, but, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Take that bro. Take <laughs> that. So what does success mean for you? 
Is that the whole question? That's it. Okay, because <laughs> it looked like there may have been more to the question. No, no, okay. now, now that he did that, like, <laughs> yeah. thanks for taking half the cake and giving it to this <laughs> guy. No, that's, no, that's a really that's a really good question. Success no, is subjective. W- w- with with that being, see, said, he's still gonna put his spin on it. Well, it's Nushi. <laughs> I got that Nushi spin. It's Nushi, but okay. at the same time, right, let's hear. Th- this is also a part of the postcard. Like yeah. he wrote it, and then I added a little PS. Uh, okay, all right. But like also with with that being said, if there's something that you could tell either your younger self or like kids that are, are, are really looking to go into like the type of field that you are or just kids that want to start something. Right. What what would you tell them keeping that success in mind? So I'm, I'm if you don't mind, I'm going to make that two part, yeah. two part. So, you know, we brushed on supersizing the business earlier and like where you know there's obviously an opportunity for us to like grow faster than we did if we had money what i will say is that um you know i made decisions that i made because it was my first time around and i didn't know how things would play out and it kind of felt like the right thing to do what i would tell my younger self is that like when you see an opportunity to like just supersize something like that Um, You don't have to go to the extent where you give up, you know, the majority of your company and, you know, sell out and not worry about being profitable and all that stuff that, you know, we're surrounded by in this world, but, um, but seize the moment. And Mm. I think that I was like, oh, I'm 21, 22, 23, you know, doing all right in the world, got all the time in the world, you know, you know, already making money, whatever. Like, I wish I seized the moment a little bit more because like you only get breaks like that every so often. So that's what I would tell my younger self is like when you have something good, like go all the way. Got it. Um, Because in fact, I, you know, you talked about um, the advice that you got, which was that, you know, he never had a fallback. Yeah. And, and I always like left room for a fallback and I wish I didn't because I was 22. And if like, I could have, I could have afforded at that time to take risks that I can't take now as a married man and like trying to start a family, whatever. Shout out to Bree. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to B. So I, I wish I would have gone like balls to the wall at that time. Yeah. What does success look like? Last night when I was I was having this conversation at the end of our trip and I was like, I'm really excited for work tomorrow. Like I, th- I kept thinking about that thought for the rest of the night. Fuck and I, yeah. You know, and I came into that today and like that was like still present. Like to me, it you know, you have your days where you're like, fuck, I can't believe I'm still doing this. Yeah. Like started this business 10 years ago. You know, I was a teenager um, and I'm still doing this. Like, I, I want to try other things. Like, I'm, I'm hungry to, like, learn more about the world and what else is out there. Yeah. But then, you know, I have thoughts like that and I'm like, that's success. Yeah. I love what I do so much that I want to leave paradise where I am right now. Straight up and get to and it. And not ride my bike tomorrow to Ventura, which was also, like, an incredible thing. But I want to go to work. Yeah. Um, and keep working on, you know, keep building what we're building. And that's that's cool. That's incredible. Um, so, you know, not not to say that, like, you know, I've I've reached the final point. Um, I don't know what the final point is. That's uh, the, I, I'm, I'm I, having I, fun I really, doing what I'm doing. And, yeah. And I don't uh, think and the happy, final so. point is necessary. Yeah. What's, no. I don't have like I don't have net worth goals. I, and like I don't like when dude, people talk. Fuck like, does, do you know what I mean? Me though? Slap the but, shit out but of dude, that person, we, no. But we know people with net worth goals. <laughs> fuck. That's I mean, like, that's not like what motivates me. Well, this is funny. Like you ultimately. <laughs> You, you just like why why just put a ceiling on anything like but also like what like what is the point you know agreed um one thing that i respect the shit out of david dan about is that like he is like so humble and like you know really thinks about like sticking to his roots and like how he does you know, how he can he can afford 
more than he has and it doesn't change what he has and i love that i love that uh, but that's the beauty and that's the real beauty in living that yes yeah. right? that's not because, what makes him happy because I mean. his story was living in a household where he saw his mother grind her ass off and support this yeah, family i know that i was friends right? with him when we were the, and know. then yours it's dope because these like parallels that like a aren't really in your control in a lot of ways right if you're not going to know that you know, struggling and living in Beverly Hills, but having a mom that you see as the workhorse and having two sisters, this, that, the other. But yours was travel, right? Yours was you were living this life, but you were traveling and you were experiencing these things and you were being active. And that was a part of your lifestyle that you yeah. grew to love. Totally. You know what I mean? Um, it, that, that's incredible. And but I mean, it's also, you know, like having ideas too. It's yeah. like, I think so much of, you know, when you talk about net worth goals, it's like, how do you put a net worth on like, an idea or build or like an idea or building something or what or inspiration or right. just you know things that that wakes you up in the morning like how can you price that you know what i mean exactly um and it's beautiful, and it's crazy because david touched on something like yeah very similar. no it's it's true you know and i i think you know people can get especially now can get very caught up in you know starting a business starting multiple businesses you know the fantasy life in an, of an entrepreneur like whatever that lifestyle is on fucking Instagram. But yeah, I mean, I, I think what you said is, 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 is so special. Thank you. Appreciate that. No, thank you for coming on and sharing the story with us. This has been fucking beautiful. It's my Ex- pleasure, man. Excuse the, the curses there. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I try and like take them out of the vocab, but I needed to emphasize that in such a street thuggery way. <laughs> yeah, you are such a you're such a non-cussery kind of guy. So I'm definitely not a, a, I'm, I'm definitely a, a very cussery guy with the cutlery as well, you know what I mean? But uh, where can people connect with you? Um uh, social media is probably easiest. Yeah. Uh you on Twitter? Um I am on Twitter, although I don't use it very often. At Eli says and he logged in like August 23rd, <laughs> 2013. And he says he doesn't use it very often. Like, I'm totally kidding. Well, hit up Retrospec. What's, what's, the, what's the most common form that you could be on? Instagram? Sure. Uh, Instagram, yeah. Cool. yeah uh, Is it Eli my, says as well? It's Elizo, E-L-Y-Z-O. Dope. Yeah, totally. Elizo. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure. Dude, you've been someone I wanted to have on for a while, and this is a, an amazing thing. And awesome My, my brother. So. Yeah. yeah. And just know that we're going on this <laughs> fucking bike trip, the, the paddle boarding 100%. trip. 100%. Let's get it. The whole thing. Oh, we're documenting. We're making we're making a, a, a video of this whole <laughs> we're thing. We're doing the first uh, out, of, out of the office, uh, I out would, of the office show. I would absolutely <laughs> love that we'll from get the bottom some GoPros. of my heart. Know that I'd love that. <laughs> Let's do you it. Let's get some GoPros and do it. I'm all about it, bro. Y'all um, want to see? Y'all, wanna, y'all just want to see a fucking gorilla <laughs> Like fall, huh? <laughs> I got it. it. You got the dope cardio though, man. I'm not gonna lie, bro. P90X. I'm, I'm about to start walking around this crib with no shirt on soon, just not giving a damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Mama, we, we made it.